welcome to a brand new episode of Markers on the Map. Each week it's games, news, and more from the classics to the current gen as we explore gaming's infinite ever-changing landscape. Check out the gaming adventure on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. Last few days, I have been playing a little bit of LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga and One Piece Pirate Warriors 4, and it dawned on me, Robert, why hasn't anybody done Star Wars Warriors yet? It just seems like it makes the most sense. Star Wars, so what, it's a warrior type game with Star Wars? If only they would make something like that, because I'm getting so much joy out of, like, playing the Warriors game formula with the One Piece game, and then I play LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, and they've got, like, 20 hub worlds in there that are just, like, open worlds full of, like, collectathon puzzles, but no enemies. The enemies only come in the actual, like, mini levels that they have, so it's like, all that was going through my head is, why can't, why can't Star Wars and Warriors be married? That seems like it should have been done a long time ago. I don't know how I feel about the warrior type game, but Star Wars, eh, maybe. They make, wasn't there, oh, there's a Star Wars chess game. Why did they bring that back? Is there? There is. The Hollow, there's a Star Wars chess like, game. I didn't know that. I, there's, there's like all these third person like shooter games, like the um, Jedi Academy thing that's like a third person adventure game. There's Jedi Fallen Order. Um, there's like a, a, a tactics Star Wars game. Um, I'm forgetting what it was called, but it was on like PC and Mac in like the early 2000s. But it just seems like a no-brainer for for Star Wars of all things to have had like an equivalent to the Warriors game or like something like Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but Star Wars. It just seems like that should be a thing that exists already. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that you're you're like, this is a no-brainer. How come it doesn't exist? And it just doesn't. There's a lot of yeah. that. I digress. We don't have too much time for me steering the <laughs> the topic off rails um, as we are wont to do in the beginning here this week because we've got a part two this week of our top 10 plays of 2022 here on Markers on the Map, the weekly podcast gaming adventure. My name is Daniel and I'm here with my good friend and co-host Robert to whom I will ask the usual question. How you doing? Eh, tired. Just kind of sleepy. What about you? Uh, awake, but all over the place. <laughs> I'm a little frazzled, as as mm. I am. <laughs> um, but uh, as I said last week, um, our top 10 plays are not necessarily a top 10 of the year of 2022 because of the, the, the breadth of games, the scope of games that we play on this podcast. Um, any game that we play during the year, including replay, uh, is you know eligible to be in our top 10 lists so uh, as you might have noticed from last week or if this might be your first episode listening um some of the games that we talk about today will be quite old versus uh some of the other games we will be talking about today so if you go back and look at last week's episode we did some honorable mentions and we did 10 through 6 so this week we will be doing our top five games that we played last year uh, with number one being what we would consider to be our personal uh, game of the year um, so, I went first last week. Why don't you go first this week with your number five? Shake it up a little. My number five 
is a game that you played, and then you got me on after, and I, I quite, I will say I, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it a lot, actually. It was one of those, like, kind of missing, like, I wish there was something to play, and you just like, all right, you should try this, and I actually, you know, fairly enjoyed it, and it was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, we did a whole special on that, too. Good yeah. one. And I remember when this game was announced, how much just... I would say unnecessary and kind of petty hate it got. This yeah. kind of weird just hatred towards it off the Square Enix's Avengers game, which sort of is like if it's not from the same team, you know, maybe same publisher, but if it's not from the same team, there shouldn't be this sort of kind of grudge against it if we know we haven't seen what it's offered. It was just like we. It just felt very pity. It just like these little things like they look weird or they look like this or they look like the stunt doubles from the movie. It's like, well, they're kind of based off the same comic book characters. They all kind of look the same. I hope. Yeah, if I remember correctly, this was Square Enix E3 2020 where we were watching it live and we ended up like really liking what we saw from this game it was kind of an yeah. extended gameplay segment whereas everybody else was like oh man this doesn't look good at all and i'm like wait what what are we watching that's so different from everybody else but what's funny is how everyone just when the game came out people you know they always say they swear off never to play something they always give it a try but it's obviously like people are actually like oh actually this game is fairly good i'm like it's not fairly good it's really good i enjoyed it yeah. all the way through i don't think there was any like a dull moment when i'm playing it like man i really wish i was playing something else i enjoyed it through and through the story the gameplay and not only the gameplay but like how you said from your perspective you can change the accessibility and it won't take away your trophy system so it's like i played it i guess the vanilla way the way the way it shipped and just like that's how it is but you can you know tweak with it and, and do things with it that that's more comforting to you yeah, my first playthrough um, had no, you know, difficulty tweaks put on. I played uh, a straight playthrough on normal, but when I replayed it for the special, since I was playing a ton of other games, um, you know, as we were getting, gearing up to record that, um, I used the accessibility to, like, reduce the cooldown times because there's cooldown meters and sometimes you just want to be a cool superhero uh, without a cooldown meter. Or mm -hmm. sometimes you want to be able to take more damage so you can just, you know, I don't know not fail and have to redo a section when you <laughs> when you're on pretty much a time crunch to finish a game for <laughs> in time for a special so it's like those things are always cool to have um especially if you like replaying certain parts of the game they've got chapter select and all that stuff um i never did get the platinum because of the way that collectibles work in that game mm -hmm. but like it was just a blast the story was so good it was funny uh heartfelt and like all the characters were done justice, nobody in that game so was too. unlikable. Yeah, I th I honestly I, I think so too. I agree with that. And I guess the best way I can put this game like description, it's it's obviously a hero game, but it's not a it's not a open world Spider Man hero game. It's more or less yeah. like I, I say like you know the best way I could put it the way the levels are designed the way you push through the game it's sort of God of War original esque you know what I mean mm -hmm. where it's like yeah you go through chapter through chapter stage by stage and you know unlock weapons and abilities and your you know your weapons can do new things that are shown in in you know like a unique way in the sense of oh we're stuck in this you know tar pit I just so happen to unlock this new ability. That kind of like you know that's that might yeah. be the you know what that might be the only negativity you know the negative thing about this game where it's like ah eh, 
it's like yeah it does have that cliche you unlock your ability right when you need it not you know when you've known about it this whole time but i feel like they use that as a plot element in this one though which like kind of excuses it for like not not being something that's like lazily set up like like his weapon is like reading his mind basically and they make that part of the plot i guess so um, I was thinking it was, like, um, maybe, like, God of War 2018 or Ragnarok combined with Ratchet and Clank and how it plays. Yeah, probably probably the gameplay. I think the level design is, is it feels, for me at least, like that old school kind of yeah. design. Light but I, exploration. I can see gameplay as that. I'm trying to think, is there, I don't remember there being an upgrade, like, weapon system. There is. I think there is. Yeah, there was a there was a light upgrade path for all the characters. I don't remember using it that much. Yeah, most of the time it was like give Groot a new ability to do something different or, you know, a new synergy with Rocket or something like that. But a lot of the default abilities that they gave you were actually really good at clearing enemies. I'm trying to really give another kind of what else could be wrong with it, but I don't, I'm not really thinking much. I think No, I, I don't think there's much I, wrong I don't really with the got game much at for all. It. Yeah, I don't really got much for it. So, I mean, we, we've done a whole episode on it, but so, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know, like I said, yeah. I, I thought it was going to be at least decent when I first saw it, but I, I quite uh, enjoyed it. So, I don't know. What do you, what was your top five? Yeah, I think it was on my top plays um last year. So, it's been on both of our lists. Very, very highly recommended game. For me, number five uh, is a game that you had on your list a little lower. Um, it is a game that I replayed most of this past week just doing Mm. the main missions and everything uh this is tiny tina's wonderlands Mm. um this to me is the refinement of say exploration and you know shooting mechanics or you know weapon mechanics in a in a borderlands game or borderlands-esque game um that has a few missteps when it comes to character progression um, not being that classic Borderlands choose your vault hunter thing, but being mm-hmm. more or less a, like a create a character thing, which we have more or less in in you know other games. It, it can be excused here, I think, because this is Wonderlands. It is based off Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would hate to see them go this character creation route in uh, a mainline Borderlands game. But I don't think that they will. This game. My problems with it are, are towards the end game stuff, and I'm mm. not saying Chaos Chamber is bad because I love it. It's just more or less like the areas of the end game are, are not as exciting to me as like the pirate areas, and that's why this game is so high on my list. The areas are so cool, the stories mm. are so funny, and the characters inside of them are very memorable, um, and... The humor, for some reason, is right up my alley, but I'm one of those people that really doesn't have a problem with the humor in Borderlands games. But when you get to the pirate section in this game, we don't have any good pirate games nowadays. Um, I know there's, like, Sea of Thieves on Xbox, but neither of us have an Xbox or a PC to play Sea of Thieves. So when you get to this whole pirate plus Wonderland section of shooting and looting while, you know, pirates are singing shanties and and all that stuff, reminds me of, like, when I played Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, there's a pirate section in there, too, which was very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Just to get the other bad thing out of the way, the world map was exciting and interesting the first playthrough, but on replay, it does get a bit tedious, Um, so it's something that I wish you could bypass, Mm -hmm. as well as the way certain quests are introduced, but as a lifelong fan of Borderlands, this is like 
truly an excellent display of, you know, the mechanics of Borderlands being refined, plus these new mechanics of spell, uh, swords, which I discovered if you hold down the melee button, it's it's much better I than didn't just know attacking. That. I, don't know <laughs> I didn't how. either, and so I just tried it the other day, I'm like, you know what, maybe just, like, hold the button down, and all of a sudden, I'm, like, defeating big enemies with, like, four hits of the sword, and if you get up close enough, like, you will not lose health. It just, it just works out like that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. I didn't know you could just hold them. Like I said, I, I think I already gave my opinion on it on the last episode of how I feel. I'm not gonna just kind of just say the same thing, but... Yeah. I just... I really don't put Wonderlands as high as you know one two and three i i think if it had better dlc and uh a little less of the overworld i would tie it with three because i do think that mechanically it feels better than three however three has such good dlc and you know i have such fond memories of playing three with you that it's like three cannot possibly be overtaken by wonderland in its state three is the only one in the borderlands series if you look at it as like on paper it has the best dlc through and through yeah uh but then it it also has nothing inherently wrong with the gameplay design either whereas wonderlands has a few things that are like uh having to level up uh both a stat and a skill tree while Mm -hmm. you level up which takes me out of it a little more yeah uh it's one of those i wish 100% the DLC was definitely better and I wish I I understand there is kind of you know new game plus there's there's end game stuff to do but I wish there was more you know variety of it I wish it was a little bit more different I wish they really expanded on the world map on DLC because obviously that's where the DLC could help with that so it's pretty much yeah the DLC is what keeps this from being like a top three game uh, of last year for me I think as it is, I see this more as a $40 game, and DLC should only be like 20 bucks. Honestly, it should be $60. At, at well, for, I think the season pass is 20 bucks, but I think that that might be too much for it. <laughs> it wasn't great I don't DLC. Think so. I, I, think I, I will. Pay, how much? No, I paid like. When well, we, we got the got we got the PS5 edition, which would be 70 on its own, but we got the one with the season pass, which was 90 Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think as a whole as a package it should have just been 60 i think you're right on that maybe i'd argue that like 60 was worth would be worth it for the for, for the main game without the dlc yeah but like why argue when the DLC you're is... saying 60 dollars plus dlc is yeah. fine <laughs> for a long yeah, because is the dlc is nothing to write home about it's like it, it's yes, there it, it wasn't it great i mean oh. it has some good items in it but like as a whole like you can beat the dlc in a couple of minutes all of them so yeah so number four then what's your number four my number four is actually a game i played in uh december so it's towards the end of 2022 uh-huh, uh i remember this <laughs> this is a this is a great one this is one that i i've always said and i'll say it again i'm like a broken record this game holds up it's a god of war 2005 the original god of war the first one uh late ps2 game 2005 it's probably a year before the ps2 ended i think the ps3 came out 2006 2007 so a couple months a year give it um and it still holds up 
I we 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 I I like I, say, I I've touched upon it on an uh, on another episode. I think it was like what two episodes ago. I think even before we did our top. I think before we even left before the holidays. Yeah. I think it was that episode. So what like uh a couple weeks 10, ago. 106, 107. Something like that. Yeah, it's Something definitely like in the description of the episode. But more or less I I still think this game holds up very uh very well. Uh the downsides maybe some i think there is a portion of the game where i was starting to get frustrated because it's just like oh this is ps2 difficulty you know to the max where it's just like unnecessary difficulty and just being that era that it was you know it released at but yeah i i enjoyed it it definitely was that kind of uh itch i had with like uh so i'll say it like this you remember when sands of time was announced the remake Yes, a couple years back. I'm hyped for that, and I'm still am in the hopes that it is released. That is one of those games that I'm like, okay, that's a game I definitely would do and like get and like repeat all over again. It's like that's definitely my kind of like game right there because I played it all the time. Uh, I still think it's a ways off because we don't actually know what it's gonna look like when they finally decide to show it again. If they if they don't, you know, shelve it, they don't like I'll just leave it. But Basically, it's that sort of like I'm missing that like that era of PS2 games that Sands of Time was, and I've remember like I said when I first heard about God of War, I remember some people complained that oh it's just a nothing you know turn off brain beat 'em up slasher game and that's just it like it's just a hack and slash you know nothing you know really crazy about it. it's just you know something simple I don't know why people were always like hyped up for this like game franchise and then. Like I said, I went back. I've never played a God of War game besides the 2018 one. And that one's obviously very, you know, different. But this yeah. is like me going back to how it originally was. And like I still said, it still holds up. It holds up very well. Downsides, like I said, maybe some PS2 difficulty spikes, especially in a certain area. But that's like towards the end of the game. But bosses were never difficult. There's not a lot of bosses to go through. I maybe had to reset once or twice on maybe uh, you know one boss, two bosses. That's about it. But being normal difficulty and the way the story plays out, I I would definitely still recommend this game to anyone to try it out. Either you know if somehow you can hunt down a PS2 copy and you have a PS2 or a PS3 that plays PS2 games, go for it. Or you have the I'm pretty sure it's on the extra. It's premium. on premium, yeah for the hd collection so it, it yeah if you find the hd collection go for it but if you just want to pay the extra couple months for premium to play i think the whole trilogy is on the yeah extras. It's all on there. so it's like you can you can go for it, at least for the first game it holds up yeah it's something that i plan to do at some point um probably later on this year um when we're not well we're currently in kind of what i would call a drought but we've got other plans for what we'll be discussing during this current drought (laughs) so Mm -hmm. maybe uh, some other point um during the year uh my number four is where it started to get a bit difficult for me to kind of like organize things so with all my criterias and everything and how i feel about certain things and the experiences that i had with certain things Uh, My number four is a game that came out in November and is quite possibly my favorite game in this franchise aside from, say, a classic one that we played on episode 100 and a certain follow-up to the classic ones that came out uh, uh, three, four years ago. Uh, But for my number four of 2022, I'm saying it's going to be Sonic Frontiers. That is definitely... uh... 
uh, a discussion that we have to put on because I just I don't know uh, Sonic Frontiers. Well, I have played all but a couple of the 3D Sonic games. There's like Sonic and the Lost World <laughs> that I never played. You sounded like Green Badoof. You're like, well, well, I have played. <laughs> well, the- I- I- see, 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 Robert, you're wrong because I played it and I give it my seal of approval. I do absolutely give it my seal of approval. Um, That's pretty good. But I don't know, like, I- I I'm don't weird with it. my 3D Sonic games. I like yeah. Shadow the Hedgehog. I, I like liked Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> But I just something about me just could. I guess I just couldn't get with the repetitive, you know, nest to it to kind of. It's the same mm. thing in at each island. So I was just like, and it was always like for some reason was never. I guess my biggest. I guess I'll give it uh, this like negative spot for me at least from a different perspective is, I just didn't like that. I never had enough for anything, and I was like, I'm doing everything that I'm told to do, and I still don't have enough to unlock this area. That's pretty much it. I can I can yeah, say that, biggest problem like. We said um, when we talked about this game in a little more depth without spoilers um, a couple months mm-hmm. back, I never ran into this problem because I was just actively hunting and exploring um, because, you know, having Sonic in an open world is like a new thing and I was really excited about it. But I have very little negative things to say about this game. So I'll start with positives. Um, the open mm-hmm. world was really great and it has this like disconnected design that like it can be off-putting there is some pop in but for some reason mm-hmm. i just gelled really well with it and got into these like zen like states where it would look at the clock and then do some sonic frontiers and it would feel like i was playing for like five minutes but then like half an hour to an hour were gone and i'm like when a game can do that for me i know that i'm really loving it like spider-man uh 2018 did that for me mm-hmm. when you're just like swinging around the city and you're like oh where did all the time go um the cyberspace levels of the 40 or so that there are i'd say like 35 of them are really good while the other five are kind of like hit or miss um but they always stay in their lane it's like if it's a 3d level it will stay 3d if it's a 2d level it will stay 2d um and they were all like pretty well designed um the theming of the open zone areas Mm -hmm. um left a little bit to to be desired it was kind of like a grassy plain a desert then a different kind of desert, then a grassy plain, and then finally another grassy plain. So hopefully in, in follow-ups, we'll get a little more variety to to both those and, and Cyberspace, which did admittedly only have four themes, but they all did the most with, with their Cyberspace themes. Um, the soundtrack, incredible. The Devil May Cry-esque combat that they added to Sonic was very satisfying. Although, like, maybe in the future they could... Um, maybe take off the cutscene-esque animations that show up for, like, most of the special attacks. Um, I will say this game has my favorite boss fights of any game, including uh, a game that will be appearing as slightly higher on my list. Um, and it, it has topped Metal Gear Rising as as my favorite bosses in a game. And, and with mm. that being said, there is a boss that does the same exact thing as a boss that Metal Gear Rising does. Um... And I think it was cooler when Sonic did it. Um, so as somebody who went on to media blackout for this game, like in the weeks leading up to it, I knew none of this stuff. I didn't know you'd go supersonic for the boss fights and any of that stuff. So I was like very floored by that. Um, but yeah, it was just a chill time. And I get into these Zen states and it will be interesting to see the speed runs of these games at like a GDQ, which I'm sure there'll be one at the GDQ that's going on right now. I, I want to watch that. Um, there's already some speed runs on YouTube of people beating the game in like an hour. So I'm very excited for the DLC that's coming out. But 
uh, I did have to do some soul searching uh, to to put this game in the number four spot versus putting it higher. Uh, so we will get to the rest of my games after you tell us what your number three is. My number three? Uh, number three is another game I've always wanted to play, but it was like when I get to it, I'll get to it. I definitely play the first one. Uh, and obvi- it's weird because uh, it's an RPG. Uh, not not really much into those, but when they're when I mean when they're great, they're great, and I, I'll be I'll be on it like Bowser's Inside Story and and this one and especially the first one. But it's a we'll call this one South Park uh, FW. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's it's the title is supposed to be on a pun on a, on a certain phrase and it's it is funny, but the spelling of it you can definitely tell, but the saying of it is pretty much the same. But we'll call it FW. To say that they went above and beyond of what the first game did is kind of like a understatement. They they went way beyond what they... I think the first game was sort of like having the original creators work on it. And they're like, okay, let's see what they can do. And just the... I think the... You know, the, the you know the, the, just the how close it is to the actual source material and how, I guess, positive, you know, they probably got on how many sales and numbers they did. They definitely, you know, told the studio and the team, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll let you play a little bit more. You have a bigger budget. You can write a little bit more and make it, you know, expand on it, do whatever you want. And the original game, The Stick of Truth, was uh, just your standard, you know, medieval time, you know, wizard. Well, it was like Lord Knights. of the Rings, right? Yeah. Basically, it, except it with the Lord- Mario and Luigi style combat <laughs> system. It was a whole special and a whole season and it was it's pretty good but yeah it was like mario luigi rpg you know take turns damage heals abilities powers supers are 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 using one turn or even sometimes you know they're they're ultra supers that can only be used once a day so you have to be kind of mindful when you use it and how you use it but this one they went to i guess what's popular is the whole superhero genre they went from having from wizards to now superheroes and now you can you know create different type of wizards like you uh, not wizards but your superheroes like the the brute strength and the speed and the you know flame and the tele- telekinesis and stuff like that and it's pretty interesting how much they've added and how you're not just stuck to one certain hero you're actually allowed to pick different so you can be not only the fire hero you know like human torch and stuff like that but now you can be the brute strength like the thing so it's mm-hmm. really cool that they do allow like three abilities and it, you know they keep adding three new abilities each time you're able to add on another ability. So you're not just stuck with the standard four that you get. You unlock more and more throughout the game. Now let me ask you, they did change the gameplay of the second one to be more like a grid-based, like almost Mega Man Battle Network-esque thing, mm-hmm. right? Which did, did you prefer? For something speedrun and simple... It's definitely the first one, but I don't mind the change in this one. It did add a better sort of idea mechanic to place your your allies in certain areas. So let's say I'm the main my main character obviously is facing the enemy and I managed to get one of my allies to be behind the enemy. If my you know, my ally does a, a, a direct attack on the enemy the enemy will push forward and deal not only obviously the additional damage my ally did, but then it'll do bonus damage because obviously I'm in front of him and then I'll just add on to the damage itself. Yeah. I, I feel like with Ubisoft, their um, RPGs have this thing where they like 
slightly shift the genre for sequels because like south park went from like more mario and luigi to this grid based and like mm. mario and rabbids went from a grid based xcom to an xcom almost that has no grid so it's like <laughs> while their open worlds kind of get stagnant it seems like in their turn-based rpgs at least they're <laughs> doing a little bit different with each sequel i mean just the i'm telling you when you when you look at the first game you're like okay this is a standard story i can see where they're going it felt like you know, like it is the budget of a of a, a weekly episode. You know, they had a week to do it, so they did it. But this one, they, I just I'm telling you, it's crazy how much they went above and beyond. Especially knowing that there's DLC, which I haven't played, but I want to one day. But maybe I'll pick it up, pick up the DLC because I only I played it on premium, so I don't have it. But maybe one day I'll pick it up and then play it with some DLC. But to you know, not to be you know spoilers, because it's a, it's a great game. But I will say it's definitely. The rating it is, you I definitely would say that's the rating it is because there's just a lot of jokes that are gonna fly over people's heads if they don't get it, and it's, it is that that the rating they you know you know properly gave it. It is like oh yeah, it's you like definitely... if you know South Park, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, it's like if you because I, I can't tell you how much when I was younger I used to watch shows like that and jokes just flew right over my head and I did not know. And then when you when you rewatch it or like how to say I'm playing this, I'm like, oh yeah, that would definitely would have flown over my head if I <laughs> if I didn't know any better. But for I would say this is definitely a good, I guess, you know, battle grid RPG system that someone wants to get into it. It's not bad. It's and it has really good jokes. It's from like I said, it's from the the original creators themselves. I think it's a uh, yeah, Matt and Trey Parker. So it's like I, yeah, I'm I'm trying to really think if I can think of anything negative about it. Um not really. I guess some of the enemy types just kinda get the same thing over and over again it has but more or less that's pretty much it it has i mean that's any rpg (laughs) funny jokes clever writing great storytelling and how you can uh flesh out your character especially that they had so many uh there's a funny joke that i guess i'll say it involves a character acknowledging that there is a tree dialogue system so if you're collect uh, click on certain things It'll take a minute for the, the the NPC to figure out what to say because it's going off of what you clicked on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they acknowledge it, that. that it is like why you're acting very slow. And he said tree dialogue. And that's, that's pretty clever. That's pretty funny. But uh, other than that, I'm really thinking if there's anything, like I said, really bad about it. I can't only really think of it. Like, I'm, trying, I'm looking back on it. Like, I only remember just everything being positive i don't really remember anything being kind of like down or like yeah well if it's so high up in the list i feel like we have less and less negatives as we get higher up in the list i don't don't really see anything wrong with this so yeah i would if you haven't played it i would say if you if you haven't played the first one play the first one because i think if you go back and try to play the first one after this one you're gonna be like oh man i really wish i played the first one it's one of those Uh like they add so much better things to the sequel that's like oh i really should have played that first one before i did the new one because now i'm so used to all the new stuff but yeah i would definitely say if you play the first one play this one if you haven't played the series play both of them probably not back to back but play both of them they're they're really good all right then uh my number three is nothing short of a revolution in the world of video games. It is the first time since uh, I've started playing open worlds, and they've become stagnant over the years. It's, this is the first time where I go, where I went into one amidst all the open worlds that have come out, and I said, "This feels like a fresh game, a different game, a new game, a game that, you know, I like some guidance. There's like guidance." But it's not completely holding your hand, and it's not completely letting you go do whatever you want unless you choose to, because you can in Elden Ring. Which, 
at the time of this recording is the most awarded the it's it's gotten more game of the year awards from websites than any other game ever uh however it is not my game of the year but it is my number three which was pretty high up there um elden ring is a game that takes a genre that i never seemed to like have liked from the outside but always went ahead and played the games anyway like bloodborne and after bloodborne i said i'm not gonna get dark souls 3 i get dark souls 3 i say i'm not gonna get sekiro i end up getting sekiro and at this point i was like i'm not gonna get elden ring but i got elden ring and it's a good thing that i did because this is the not only the best souls game but mechanically and i can say without a doubt that this is the best game that was released this year um in terms of like it being a good game this game Mm -hmm. does all the right things it's a game that says do whatever you want here's the path you can follow it's a game that's not afraid of you missing out on things where a lot of open world games just like tailor the experience to you seeing literally everything elden ring really doesn't seem to care if you miss out on 90 percent of the game just because you want to get to the end now if you didn't go off and explore i feel like you'd be cheating yourself out of just this awesome sense of discovery where there are literally full-on dungeons that are like beyond what dark souls or bloodborne could provide in little tucked away in little side areas sometimes hidden inside of other side areas um but it's it's a game that really does not care um if you don't want to do any side stuff it would be a lot harder but there are people who can beat souls games with level one characters so if you decide to go the hard route you can there's like uh, over like 120 bosses in this game some of them are like very frustrating some of them are very epic um but bosses was not really the reason why i liked this game why i like this game so much is that i was literally exploring this beautifully cryptic open world full of vistas that were just breathtaking to look at and no matter what direction i turned i was always finding something interesting uh, a cave that turned into a dungeon that has some kind of like ash summon at the end that you could use to help you out or an upgrade something that you could add on to your weapons or even materials that you can use to summon people into your game but this is also that game where you can like go forward at the start and come back when you're stuck on something and say okay i'm gonna go another way from the start and you go just right from where you went forward in the beginning and there's a whole entire world's worth of stuff to explore there's dragons flying around there's extra dungeons there's a little beach you can go to i guarantee you there's probably still things in that game that haven't been found yet which is wild to me um and just from start to finish it's one of the most epic experiences it, it stays fresh through the entire thing. There's always a new element being introduced, a new enemy type. Um, and it does have that thing where the enemy types might be a little more repetitive towards the end. But they've always got some kind of like different look to them. Like this one might be bigger. Or this one might have like two heads or something in, in typical Souls-like fashion. Um, but more so than the other games, I feel like this is the most accessible Souls game. You've got mm-hmm. summoning, but you've also got this idea of like if i get stuck on this boss i can go do a hundred other things that are just as fun or you could you know accidentally miss the first story progression boss and have to come back later because that's what i did i was like where's this first boss that everybody's talking about i was already on the area like two bosses past that i was like okay (laughs) i like elden ring i can do this 
Um, very good. Ended up platinuming the game. I guess that, uh, hearing about it, that might be the only negative about it is some players are not going to have the same experience in the sense of there could be something really worth it to explore and to find. And there's going to be the downside of it is there's going to be a good percentage of players that just will never see that. And it's yeah. like, unless, you know, we do live in the day and age where, you know, information and finding out Easter eggs amongst one another is like at the tip of your fingers you can find and explore see new things and if you oh i never saw that let me go find that it is kind of better but it's sort of this idea that some people aren't gonna will you know want to do it because they're gonna not, they're not gonna know what to look for unless people obviously talk about it a lot no one's gonna yeah. you know maybe never figure out a certain thing that might be the like kind of like there's so much to do that, that you know you couldn't you can't see everything i i do think that it's one of the only games ever like there are very few of these games where no one person will have the same exact mm. experience as another person um i just think just to end my little discussion on it right now there is a moment early on where you find yourself in a forest if you decided to go to the forest and you will come across an elevator and you will take a long elevator ride down and what awaits you under underneath the forest is pretty much an entire area that's just about as big as like a third of the map with its own set of dungeons and exploration and boss fights. And there are more than one of these. There are these underground areas that just turn into entire games worth of cool stuff to see. Enemies that don't appear anywhere else. Um, armor that you you might be able to get off certain bosses like... um these strong knights that show up at the end like uh halligatry knights something like that i think they're called um yeah what a great game an unbelievable game but admittedly for me a game that's hard to replay just because i did so much like souls games mm -hmm. are just hard to replay for me in general but that's my number three let's move on to number two all right so my number two is uh definitely a remake I was like uh, dream wishing like oh I wish this and it happened so this is a game I'm very excited that I got to replay especially the remake and that's uh, Destroy Humans 2 I forget Ooh. what this one is subtitled as but I remember the original is uh, a different one I don't think they use the same one but it was called Destroy Humans 2 remake it's repro yeah there we go um, definitely a much better remake than the first one and the first one remake is still good it's still yeah i played know, it i play it to this day it's one of those games where they did the same thing i kind of like the six truth where they went above and beyond the remake and, and it's the original too the original went above and beyond from the first one they definitely had a much bigger budget and i will say they pretty much kept intact the original through and through there may be like one difference uh like there's there's a script difference like in the first one how there's there is one change but it's like it doesn't take away from the overall idea of what's going on it's more or less those maybe it didn't age so well kind of things but nothing too sort of weird or like oh yeah this aged super poor it's just kind of like okay yeah i can see why they took this out because it doesn't need to be in the game at all but for the game you know to be i would say this is a complete remake i i think Looking back on it, I know some people were like, oh, it's technically half a remake, half of just a remaster. I think these are just complete remakes through and through. They add so much more to the game, and it's just a lot of fun to replay these kind of legendary, I would say, PS2 games. Because if you ask most people, 
oh, Destroying Humans. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that game. That game was pretty fun. Like, they have a, a pretty decent memory with it. Maybe not at the same level I did because I played both of them and I completed them. But I definitely would say this is one of the better remakes that THQ Nordic seems to be on a steamroll over here with uh, not only with Destroying Humans, but uh, SpongeBob with Battle Bikini Bottom. They made the the decision to uh, have this current gen only too, right? Yes, that's actually one of the kind of strangest things, like weirdest things. That's kind of like it I, maybe could have been PS4, but I think it's more or less it's better just to stick it on one console to have it consistent, sixty frames, ten eighty, four K, whatever they wanted to do. But the models are all pretty good. I think the new models in the game are actually a, a little bit better than the realistic models in the original because it would have never really worked out having such a cartoony looking character like Crypto, Spiridium, and then all these like realistic looking human models. Oh yeah, if they got rid of that, it would kind of diminish the character that the game has established. Yeah. Like that that element of it. Like they yeah. need to look over exaggerated in Destroy All Humans. It works. It definitely works in, in the remakes. And I I, I I know some people were kind of iffy on it, but I think it works. It, it, it worked out through and through. Much easier game to understand and to kind of get through than the original. Like it's definitely like, oh, they're giving, they're getting rid of all that two, uh, PS2 2005 stuff out of the way. Like, no, this is a new age, new gaming. We're going to add more things to it. You know, replayable missions, score system in the missions, and like weapons are definitely. Uh, there's a lot more than the first one. If you thought the first one had, like, oh, it's a pretty decent amount of weapons, the second one just ramps it up with a lot of weapons in this one. It's one of those sequels, uh, compared to the other two, that I would definitely say two is the more fan favorite. And the more, I would say, crowd-pleasing favorite. It's like, it'll please just the casuals and also the fan favorites at what it does. Uh, any downsides to the game? I think in my playthrough, I had... Uh, my controller wouldn't stop vibrating. The vibration on the PS5 DualSense, I don't know, maybe for Xbox it might be different, but at least for on a PS5 experience, I had to turn it off. Even though... Yeah, I know what you mean. I had that on Borderlands 3 once <laughs> when we first got PlayStation 5. I was like, why is yeah. this not stopping? <laughs> it didn't stop, and I, I think I beat the whole game before they released any major patch updates. I think there maybe one have been like one update, but I, I basically went through the whole game no no updates i went as as it is and i'm trying to think of some downsides i mean there's no like when you once you finish the game there are side missions that you can complete but obviously once you beat that it's kind of like well what do i do now i mean you can go around do some you know carnage as, as crypto and just go around all over the the planet earth and you know do this and do that but it's it's still that ps2 game that i would hope if they do the remake of the third one, because I think the third one got a lot of hate when it shouldn't have, uh, Path of the Furon. Uh, hopefully they remake that, and it's obviously as good as the first and second one. And and I hope they at least, you know, greenlight a fourth game that takes place in the 80s. That's the general direction it should go. It's the 80s, which I would think it's perfect timing for them to do that since how popular it is now. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to really think if there's anything else about because I'm trying to spoil it either. Because yeah, we'll probably have a bigger discussion on this one t at some point because I still mm -hmm. need to play it. Yeah, because I'm telling, there's a lot of things I'm leaving because like that's just that's a lot of plot spoiler stuff. I ain't, I ain't really gonna get into that. But I okay. I enjoyed it. Like I said, I played the first one back in the day. I even played the first uh, the the second one back in the day and then i replayed those in the future a couple years back and then obviously i replayed the, the remix and i still think they hold up it's like it's like god of war they hold up especially the remix adding a lot of new things that kind of freshen up the franchise 
All right, then. Well, my number two is a game that we both play frequently. Um, it is a game that recently became my most played game of all time. And mm-hmm. you already know what it is. Fall Guys. And I Fall would say guys. that last year is probably, for me personally, the best year of Fall Guys yet. Because they introduced, like, the, the free-to-play, obviously, um, is hit or miss with, like, progression and stuff. But, like, this new season passes have kept me more engaged with having, you know, 100-plus levels of stuff. And I'm currently, mm-hmm. like, 140 on the Season 3 um, pass with, like, a few more weekly challenges left to do. And, you know, in, in a couple weeks, I'll have that Admiral mainsail costume. Um, we've had tons of episodes on Fall Guys, so this one will probably just be a short little thing. But, like, this game is, like, it's so high up this year specifically because it just generates smiles from me when I play it. it. It's just so, I cannot be mad. Like, I get frustrated when certain people do certain things on Fall Guys. Like, if I'm on a final and somebody just decides to do that little quick grab, I hate that. But you know what? I'm having a fun time playing Fall Guys. I'm having a fun time making my little character look like Cammy or Skeletor or stuff like that. <laughs> And I can never really, like, stay mad when I'm playing Fall Guys. It's just such an enjoyable experience. I play it just about every day to do, you know, daily or, um, you know, weekly challenges and stuff Mm. like that. Or do little events. It's just constantly, like, comforting, I guess. I'd call it cozy. Even though it can get chaotic and frantic, it's just, like, a very pleasant game for me to sit down with. And I can play it either solo or I can play with, like you or friends or, or my sister or whoever but like when i'm playing fall guys and you know getting into it i'm really like it's very good for me so that's my number two robert what is your number one your game of the year uh drum roll i guess you know what's number one number one for me is a franchise i would put number one in generally everything it's number one series just ever for me uh, and it's, I think, one of those franchises where you look at the catalog of it and you're just like, it just never misses. And that's, uh, for me, number one is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for the Ooh. Nintendo Switch. Weird no, that a, a Switch one. game is my number one. I got a Switch game as my number one. <laughs> it's like one of those things where, like, man, you play on the PS5 more, but, like, but I'm telling you, sometimes the Switch just has that one game that's like, uh, I know, I like, last year, my number one was through. Metroid Dread. <laughs> Exactly, it's I'll play it through and through no matter what. It's always the best of the best. They, they make some really great games. But Tropical Freeze, not to say a lot, we're not going to say a lot of spoilers. We're trying to uh, maybe, you know, put a special yeah, the, somewhere. The plan is soon. to do, like, multiple weeks of going in-depth with every level here, like, mm-hmm. soon. Unless there's, like, a surprise Nintendo Direct um, or one in the middle of it. Like, we will be going through these levels in great detail. Mm-hmm. So, uh going on sort of uh retro studios returns which i i'm telling please re-release returns for the switch it should have been they a bundle should. with with tropical uh-huh. Freeze. but <laughs> i got please, my problems with that game but i'm not gonna argue with that <laughs> i like returns a lot I, I think it was such a good coming back to the franchise after so long since the game boy games and those were all just remakes of the originals for the super nintendo but man just like the same thing where they just went above and beyond it's really great to see a sequel not only have such a bigger budget but it's like they don't take that for granted they add so much more instead of it obviously the, in the returns just uh dk and uh diddy now it's not only dk and diddy but it's also uh 
was a Dixie Kong, and now you have Cranky Kong, and the first time he's ever playable in a game ever. And for the Switch version, they added a new funky mode, which is the funniest thing that ever came out with that. And uh, it is so much mode. fun. <laughs> the the amount of people just adding this game and now has a new funky mode is that like generally like that's pretty funny that they it's because it's just right on the cover like including a new funky mode and it's just so funny. But man, just the enemy design, the level designs is just breathtaking. It's returns is definitely not returns, but I would say Tropical Freeze level design wise and the way the art looks and just everything about it it's donkey kong compared to the rest of them it's at its peak it's so great it's going to like the first one the second one they have you know fairly good ones but just tropical freeze was just something different it was just it was just magical that's just all i can say about it it's just magic when you look at it the music the the art the characters the level designs bosses are here and there i know how you feel about them i yeah it's like my one gripe uh the all i guess the hardest one are those like baboons ninjas there are like and eh, that is pretty difficult but i think the boss designs were were well done the i guess oh no the puffer fish that one oh was man oh boy he was the worst <laughs> the 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 baboon is the worst because it's the longest but the puffer fish is definitely the worst boss fight but uh i am still playing it because i want to get through all the special levels and all the specials and secrets and stuff like that i'm still trying to do it i get all the dk coins and puzzle pieces and stuff like that but man just if i could describe tropical freezing war it's just magic just what what retro studios and just whenever donkey kong gets david wise and all it's just it's just magical it's, it can never be redone by any other franchise and that's why like i consider it to be my number one not only game of the year but just like number one franchise of all time yeah it's it's up there for me as well and you know when we get to talking about the levels in like i really want to get into detail with them because each of each level in this game really is an artistic masterpiece um when we do our specials <laughs> oh that's talking about, yeah like right can't right now but, but when we get to a special i can't stars, help like, but compare so it to ghost of tsushima in the way that like the world itself is a character in donkey kong country tropical freeze it's just doing it through a plat- 2d platformer versus being an open world like the world is very much a character that changes yeah. throughout this game it's kind of like uh i guess some of the greatest stories it's where not only does the character obviously is a part of the environment but the environment can live without the character itself like just mm-hmm. because the character lives doesn't mean the environment will you know it's it'll just move on it, it, it'll yeah. live on its own yeah so i guess we'll announce it here and now barring any surprise directs which could happen uh donkey kong country tropical freeze specials discussions whatever you want to call them are mm-hmm. coming soon <laughs> anyway my number one my game of the year for 2022 is a game in a franchise that i have always played it is the you know we had a little bit of it kind of come into fruition in the start of the year but it was really the end of the year when this game came out my game of the year is a game that is plagued with all kinds of technical issues uh glitches uh frame rate problems and you might be asking well then why is it my game of the year because it's the only game where I can seriously just overlook all that stuff because the game itself is so much fun, so much of a joy, so much of a delight to play Pokemon Violet. Oh, man, I was trying to think, which one's Violet? It's the newest one. It's just the one that barely came out, right? Yeah, so Scarlet and Violet. I have both, but I've not played Scarlet yet. Um, Pokemon Violet, It's the they're the first true open-world Pokemon games 
like I said, Legends Arceus kind of gave us open, you know, Monster Hunter-like arenas to, like, they were huge, but, like, this is true open world. This is a game that says there's eight gym leaders. Here's where they are. Go fight them however you want. Here's five Titan Pokemon. Go fight them however you want. Five enemy bases. Go fight them however you want. You can sequence break. If you have a strong enough Pokemon, go take on the harder gym leader first if you want. Make it as easy or as hard as you want. Pokemon all spawn on the open field like they do in the wild areas of of Sword and Shield or even in some of the roots, I think. Um, but they didn't in like Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl since obviously those are remakes. But going on a media blackout for Scarlet and Violet was one of the best things I could have done because usually by the time a Pokemon game comes out, I know everything. I know all the legendaries, all mm. the twists and turns. I decided this time, not going to happen. So you can imagine the discovery of the 107 coolest Pokemon that they've ever designed was like surprises left and right. Um, the characters are awesome. This is the best story a Pokemon game has ever had. Obviously, we're still going to save spoilerish discussion on this game for a little bit in the future since it is still brand new. Um, but the story, including my favorite endgame content in, in Pokemon, uh, was just amazing in this. Like, the, the, the thing that happens when you finally go to that particular area at the end of the game is by and far the coolest thing that they've ever done and i have played every mainline pokemon game and it's like it's not even close this is such a good game um it is plagued with technical issues that hopefully will get patched although i'm not holding my breath but i am excited to see any dlc they have for this um as i get into kind of like the shiny hunting meta of this game um which is something i intend to do in in the coming months because you know I love a shiny Pokemon. I've already got two, but there's ways to make it really easy to get shinies in this one. Um, but as it stands, like, this is absolutely the best Pokemon game that they've ever made. No surprise that it sold as well as it did. Might be time to start thinking about new hardware <laughs> for, for, you know, Nintendo when it comes to, like, the graphical issues. But we're going to stay positive here and say... Uh, I'm just floored by how awesome, how grandiose and big this open world is and how kind of like the QOL stuff from Legends Arceus, while kind of pairing it back a little, enhances a lot of the good stuff in a lot of good ways. And that's why Pokemon's Violet is my game of the year. We done did it. <laughs> you did it. Our top 10 of last year is all done. So... Uh, like I said, Tropical Freeze specials should be headed your way as I am so excited to replay that game in, in, in detail. Um, it's been a while. It's, it's one of my top played Switch games, but it's been a while since I've played it. Um, but for right now, uh, would you say we've done an episode, Robert? Yep, that should wrap it up. Okay, good, because it looks like our, our friends Blastwave, Green Badoof, and Gamekeeper are almost back, probably with some news on Moon Yeller, so we'll have to discuss that with them. But for right now... We want to thank you so much for listening. Please listen to us on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a five-star rating and review. Subscribe, download an episode. You can also listen to us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And yeah, we'll 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 see you next week for hopefully Tropical Freeze, like I said, unless there's a direct. And, you know, just to quote a famous video game character with an upcoming TV show, you know, Ellie... We really are the top 10 plays of 2022. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Later.